0: What's good, what's good? This is Hector Oliveira. And of course, I'm with the man, always on a mission to find nutrition, the Polynesian Papa of Pump, Big Body Say, Say Say Liyua. Say Say, what's going on, man? How are you?
1: I'm good, man. Thank you very much. A beautiful weekend out here in sunny San Diego. How are you doing, my friend?
0: How am I doing? How You're going to ask me how I'm doing on the fifth day of the fifth month, otherwise known as? De Mayo away. I am doing <laughs> fucking great man. I'm pumped up. I'm ready for this episode. But most importantly, I'm ready to eat some tamales. I'm ready to ready to celebrate with friends and family. I'm ready to listen to uh <laughs> Vicente Fernandez. Dude, it's going down.
1: That's Vicente? Vicente, said?
0: Yeah, it's it's going down. That's Vicente Fernandez. He's a uh, that
1: he's is pretty
0: famous, huh? Oh yeah, he's like the uh, well, Jesus is the Mexican Jesus, so he's, he's like he's like Bieber. He's yeah, he's like the Mexican Frank Sinatra. That's what he is. He's like the Mexican, <laughs> major Mexican Frank Sinatra. I'm excited for today. One of my favorite topics to ever cover: the true story of Rudy Rudiger and what he did out there at Notre Dame. Rudy actually provide a blueprint for how to chase down your dreams, like an actual how-to guide of dreaming, believing, putting together a plan, and motherfucking achieving.
1: I agree. Well, that's it right there. That's the blueprint.
0: So, yeah, we're going to cover the life and times of Rudy Rudiger, the true stories, starting from childhood all the way through his college career, and how he took advantage of a small window of opportunity, 27 seconds of game time. That changed his life, not only his life, but the lives of people around him forever. I wish 27 seconds could change the lives of some of the people I've been encountered with, you know what I mean? Sometimes that's all I got, man. Sometimes that's all I can give.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, for real.
0: <laughs> that's all you need, baby. 27 seconds. Make it hot. But in all, in all honesty, we're going to cover the progression that Rudy went through in setting a goal by first establishing his dream. He put together a plan. And when his opportunity came, a small 27 seconds, he capitalized. We're going to definitely show you guys how that works and how you can apply it to whatever you're going through in life on today's episode of Talking Some Muscle. In a time of avocado toast eating, top-not wearing, beard brushing, beer snob hipsters, tune in. One from the south, one from the north, come together on a virtuous quest to reclaim the true purpose of the pursuit of strength, and set in stone the driving force that gets men to move off of their lazy asses.
2: So come and drink from the goblet of power, slick your thirst
0: for motivation as two men invoke the indomitable will, the ironclad mindset, and the muscles that overcame great odds. Yes, these two men will be speaking of high adventure. These two men will be talking some fucking muscle. Alright man, we're here. Episode Cinco on Cinco that Mayo. Yeah! What's up man, what's up Say? how's everything?
1: It's lovely dog, it's lovely.
0: You know man, I'm feeling like our podcast is too small. I'm feeling like what do you mean? I'm feeling like our there are bigger podcasts out there with more experience and more mm-hmm. talent and more jokes. They got more jokes than us. I'm feeling like we really can't make it because we're just we just can't do it. I'm feeling like it's I, I could
1: put you in a fucking chokehold or a jokehold, bro. What do you call a pile of kittens? I don't know. Tell me. Mountain.
0: <laughs> 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 fucking dad. That's a dad joke right there. But i'm I'm feeling oh, like God. I'm feeling like with what we are compared to everyone else that we're just not gonna make it in the podcasting business Because we don't know everything there is to know about the podcasting business feeling like there's there's more that we can know more that we can do, but I'm also feeling like we're not gonna get the chance because we're just too small. We're not I'm, big enough i
1: i gotta Alright, I'm listening
0: if there was only a, a story out there of someone that was too small, someone that was just not as big as everyone else or fast or smart or good enough. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm hoping there's, really? is there some type of story out there that we can tell that can maybe motivate us to follow our dream of being the number one fitness podcast in the world? Yeah. Is there a story buh, 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 out there that exists? Yeah. Tell me what's sto- what story First out there of all, you exists.
1: Hit, hit me kind of sideways. You hit me kind of sideways before I answer that. Like you, I was like, I don't like this kind of talk. I'm like, hold on, Hector. I expect this. I didn't expect this from you. What's going on? Like, what's really bothering you right now? Because you was saying some stuff. I was like, hold on, what? But absolutely, you must be talking about Rudy Rudiger. Like, uh, what's he? 165? Five, 5'6", five,
0: 165. 165. But one of his mentors, I believe the line is, You're five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. Not a speck of athletic talent, and you made it on one of the best college football programs in the nation. so there is a story that exists an amazing story, yep. a harrowing tale of a man that overcame all to live his dream so we're going to cover that today, but first, we got a little cleanup man we left the gym floor messy last week, and instead of doing corrections yeah, Dave, or having a <laughs> instead of damn it. Uh,
2: what
0: do we do? Man, we forgot to rack some weights from last week. And instead of doing our corrections corner, what we're going to do is we're going to rack our weights. And I feel like this is a good opportunity for us to address a common problem issue that goes on in gyms and health clubs across the world. is people forgetting to rack their weights. So we're hoping this little segment just reminds people that when you leave a mess in the gym floor or anywhere, hey man, go rack your weights. I say you
1: better re-rack your weights, fool. You know what I'm saying? Agree, I agree. When I run for president, that's going to be one of my platforms.
0: Can I run for vice president? Hell yeah. What year? Hell let's, yeah. Let's do it, uh, uh let's let's go 20... 2028. Alright. Leua Olivera, 2028. One thing we also want about our re-rack your weights section is we want it to be interactive. We want our listeners to be able to call us on our shit. So if we do something that you think we need to clean up or re-rack, go ahead and shoot us an email at talkingsomemuscle at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-K-I-N, no G, because the only G's here are Say say and myself. T-A-L-K-I-N SomeMuscle at gmail.com. Send us an email there on, on corrections or things that you found in our podcast that uh Maybe we didn't have uh, full information on, or you can hit us up on our Instagrams. Mine is jefe underscore Olivera. Um, we actually have a Instagore, Instagore,
2: Instagore.
0: We have a, new uh, shit. <laughs> that's new shit. That's the, that's the dark web right now. Let's not go there. We have a Instagram page now talking some muscle, same span, same spelling, talking some muscle, T-A-L-K-I-N-S-O-M-E-M-U-S-C-L-E. Talking Some Muscle Instagram. You can shoot us some comments, DM us, shoot us an email. We'll uh, go ahead and read your email on our re-rack your weight section of Talking Some Muscle. Yeah.
1: Or, or you can say it to my face at Big Body Say on Instagram.
0: I like that too. I'd rather have someone say it to my face. I got I got some re-racking to do from last week. I feel was, bad was about this waiting, one. Did
1: you leave some undone or some tens or what? <laughs> some 45s?
0: Yeah, I actually left some, I left some 45s, I left 10 45s on the leg press, it was a big oversight, yeah, yeah, 10, 5 on each side, and this is something that I'm not too proud about, but I'm going to admit it, we could all admit our mistakes, I went ahead and, well, I tried to pronounce Pat Morita's name the best I could, this is his first Japanese name, and I should have been able to, because my brother's married to a Japanese girl from Tokyo, and he's actually learning Japanese so I'm actually really embarrassed about this and and some of the Annunciation isn't too different from Spanish so I'm going to go ahead and re-rack I can... I, no, I, I hard. I thought I, I thought I recall
1: that now. That, like, I was like, yeah. wait, is that how you say that? Cause like, no. That's the first time I heard it like that. I was like, damn, this fool knows everything. No. I've been hearing it the other way.
0: So no. how'd you say it? Well, the thing <laughs> is, and I heard this, was is he sometimes... Like that? Yeah, I heard this, because sometimes you have to say things with so much confidence that people start thinking that they were pronouncing it wrong, and you're the one who's pronouncing it right. So it's, I <laughs> you guess... Know, <laughs> you know, he called him fucking...
2: Uh,
1: Mitsubishi
0: or Yokohama or some <laughs> shit, bro. Like, yeah, no, I was so like, what so like, is it, So I was saying Noriyoku, but his name is Noriyuki, and I was saying Noriyoku. So it's Noriyuki Pat Morita. That's On what y- his name is Pat
1: Morita. Like, yeah. yeah that's what but I was, his, his
0: first name is Noriyuki. He, his uh, nickname is Pat. Another oversight, and I shouldn't have over, I definitely shouldn't have missed this one because I live in Vacaville, right? And the next town down from us is Fairfield. And Noriyuki Pat Morita was actually a student at Army Ohio out in Fairfield. And I've completely missed that. That would have been a great fact to have on last episode. Wow. So I I need to re rack that. I'm a big fan of his work, Pat Pat Morita. He is uh one of my all time favorites. Just his swag, how he approaches his work, his craft. Uh I don't think anybody else could have been Mr. Miyagi. I don't know, think of it. Would there could there have been another Mr. Miyagi?
1: Uh I mean no. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and re-rack that from last week. <coughs> Fucking rack it. Like something racked. All right. You got anything so you want to re-rack nice. from last week, Say Say? Anything you remember?
1: Oh, shoot, man. You know, I really think I forgot to mention how much I really love the series Cobra Kai. You know, that's out on YouTube premium. I waited for season two to come out so that I could download the free month's. I watched the whole first season and the, the second season within like maybe two days. And you know what? As far as Karate Kid goes, I was a I was a big fan. But when I watch Cobra Kai now, man, I'm, I became such a bigger fan. Like I, I want to get a a Cobra Kai shirt. That that's a, that would be a sick shirt to have. So I'm gonna look that one up. But man, the Cobra Kai series, man, well done. I think it's produced by Will Smith. This thing holds no stops, and it's on YouTube, and it's an original, no commercials. Especially with this free month, man, I'm really thinking on just I might as well just go ahead and cancel a couple of things and just do YouTube Premium. Uh, it's like only $10.99 a month or something like that. But dude, they got some good shows on there. Dang, yeah, I hope this it comes out with more.
0: This is definitely not a plug for YouTube. I agree with you. YouTube Premium is a great way to go. I mean, think about every time you actually pop on YouTube to try to find something to show somebody else, and you got ads. Another cool thing about YouTube Premium is if you're listening to music, you can turn your phone off so the screen doesn't have to stay on. You could turn yes. your screen, yeah. Isn't that trainer, awesome? Bro,
1: sick! And no commercials, being able to your, let your screen go black is dope. Like, I knew they could do that. Uh, hopefully they just do it free one day, but, you know, it's a great service. You get what you pay for.
0: I think at this point the, the weight room floor is all nice and sparkly clean. We've re-racked our weights, and now it's time to... <laughs> Muscle up, buttercup. Start tighten
1: up your core! This might hurt your feelings.
0: All right, say so. You want to go first on uh, muscle up, Buttercup?
1: All right, cool. I will tell you what. The one thing that gets on my nerves is that when somebody comes straight up to me and tell me what they're not willing to do. I like that, but you know, I always try to stay positive. But if I were just. Maybe with the average like mentality and broke down, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, man, why do you just come up here and tell me what you can't do?" Oh, I want to lose forty pounds. Oh, I want to be standing over here in this, you know, swimming in these results right here, but I'm not willing to do this. Like, you know, you better come tell me what you are willing to do. All these excuses come before we even get to that bridge. Like, I hope I'm 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 kind of rambling, but that's why I'm just you know that's my little vent session. Like,
0: no,
1: yeah, I, I hear you. Like, you want you want me to develop a plan. You know, just like a doctor would develop a healthcare plan for you. You go see a doctor who says you need to take this. You need to do this. We'll come with treatment here. Uh, You know, that's what a personal trainer does as far as the workout schedule and very, like, strong nutritional guidance, you know. Yeah, I feel like people that do that set up excuses,
0: you know. They set themselves up for an excuse to make. I mean, do you agree with that?
1: I don't necessarily disagree because I never walked a mile in any other man's shoes. So I don't understand how difficult the battle to them is. And they might be going through a war just to come face to face with other people every day yeah. you know, no, if you know I, what i mean what mental health saying. or whatever but yeah. i feel that if you listen to yourself really carefully there's actually a solution there because you're like i'm stuck and I'm, i always use it as i'm swimming in these results there's a pool and these are the results i'm swimming in these waters if i want to go swim in the deep end you got to do something different it's, it's harder if, if you listen to what you're saying it's like well, what if i tried to just do that what if i did cut those m out at night Okay, well, what if I did uh, actually hit the gym three times a week at least? You know, simple stuff like that. Well, then that's your answer.
0: So what would you call that group of people that immediately leads the way with, well, I'm not going to give up this. I'm not going to give up my wine. I'm not going to give up my candy. I'm not going to give up my taco-making skills in a man thong. I'm not giving up any of that. What would you call that group of people?
1: Customers. (laughs) you might not even fucking need me
0: I like that you're going bold so you're telling the collective group of clients to muscle up buttercup
1: uh, I feel that my call out would be you know you guys really are hiring a personal trainer just to motivate you so you better pick wisely you know because everybody can go look on Google right now and find any kind of set of program that will work with consistency so you're really trying to hold some yourself accountable and if there's nobody in your life to hold yourself accountable then you know what you, do you, you, you want me to stop you from eating m by slapping it out your hand because I'm willing to do that and I'm willing to even eat half your food that's how dedicated I am bro But I will love the people who come through and they just don't know they want to learn there are people who really don't know how to do a push up or you know I'll gladly help those yeah. I can't help people who don't want to help themselves though
0: alright so people that don't help say say help them muscle up buttercup I guess it's my turn now I initially promised to say, you know, we weren't gonna get political here, but in the spirit of Cinco de Mayo, I'm basically moved today to bring up a topic that's controversial and it's quite frankly out there as a dividing line. It's actually gonna be a physical dividing line, but it's also a racial dividing line, but it's, it's a big divisionary line between your political beliefs, your homeland security beliefs. Like I said, fucking tighten up your cork Because what I'm about to say might hurt your feelings, which I'm actually feeling right now. Because it is Cinco de Mayo, I I, I grew up a Chicano in uh, the Central Valley. My dad was a migrant farm worker. He came up from Michoacán and learned English in three years. Actually, less than that, under three years. A little over two and a half years. Learned English fluently. Worked his ass off in the hot sun. Put food on the table for the family. He got his citizenship too, man. He he fucking crossed the border illegally and got his citizenship. He's he's an American citizen. He knows American history. He probably knows most of the, probably knows more of the American presidents because you have to learn that shit. And he learned it as an adult than some people that supported the motherfucker who wants to build a wall. And that's right, I said motherfucker who wants to build a wall. And if those of you want to build a wall, then you're part of that group as well. So here we go. It's single in Bio. A lot of people celebrate the food, the culture, the beauty that is the Mexican people, on a a day like this. Some of y'all out there right now saying, Cinco de Drinco, woo! Yeah. Which is fine, you can say Cinco de Drinco all you want. I'm happy for you, celebrate with us. Fuck, we're, we're Hispanic, we're Mexican, we believe in that shit. We believe in coming to our culture, we're gonna sit you down, we're gonna feed you, and we're gonna feed you some more, we're gonna give you good drink, we're gonna give you good stories, we're gonna make you laugh, we're gonna give you good fucking music. So culture is beautiful, and and on a day like today, we all have to remember that. Now, there are bad spots of our culture, just like everybody else, because they're just making bad decisions. And I'm not defending that side at all. But when you decide to build a wall or decide to support a cause that wants to build a wall on land, by the way, that is native to Mexican blood. So here's, here's the thing. If you support building a wall, then I'm going to motherfuck you all day. And you need to put down your taco today and don't ever celebrate Cinco de Drinco. Don't don't drink a Corona with a lime in it. Don't drink another Corona. Don't drink a Negra Modelo. Don't even participate in our culture if you want to build a wall. Because the real wall you want to build is a wall of hate. And it starts by not accepting our culture. But here's the thing. Our culture is so rich, so strong, and as much as you would like to... Fantasize about this wall coming up. Our people have sweat and bled and worked the soil with their hands, with their soul, and plant food and seeds and energy into the soil that feeds almost 75% of the nation out here. It bears forth fruit that is laced with our blood, laced with the sweat of Mexican workers. When they're out there in the fields turning that soil, guess what they're doing? They're singing music. They're singing songs. So if you build a wall, we're already in the ground. We're in the food. We're in the music. We're everywhere. And a wall, even a wall of hate can't stop that. Unfortunately for you, we're going to have Mexicans on the United States side of the wall. We're going to have Mexicans and Latinos and Hispanics on the Mexico side of the wall. Hold on, my front door's open and i got to wait for my wife to come in. So I actually called an audible. This is, this is off the cuff right here. I was in the middle of my ramp, but my family just showed up. My family's the perfect yeah. example of why you don't want to build a wall. Come up, Dawn. Hey! Just pick her up and bring her up here. Hi. That's my son, Remington, Hi. right there. So my family just uh-huh. came back from a walk. Hi. This, is my, this is my wife, Dawn. Hi. My son, Remington. Hi. Remington, Hi. Crisantos Oliveira. Hi. This is my daughter, Scarlet Ray Oliveira. Hi, baby. Scarlett, beautiful! So, I have everybody on because the picture of beauty is when cultures can come together and create life, and that's my family. For those of you that think that building a wall is okay, what you're doing in effect is pretty much saying that families like this shouldn't exist, the culture should be separate. And when it comes down to it, we're American. So if you try to build that wall, I guarantee you my family on this side will tear it down And my family on the other side will tear it down, whether it's a physical wall or a wall of hate. It'll come down. So anybody who supports a wall, muscle up, buttercup. Say hi. Say dada. Hi. Say dada. Say hi. Hi.
1: Beautiful family. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Well, all right, say say. I feel like now's a good time as any to get into it. Rudy Rudiger, the man that dared to dream. So let's start this out where it all started. Joliet, Illinois. August twenty-third, nineteen forty-eight. Little baby Daniel Eugene Rudiger was born by the mother yeah. Bally Rudiger. What a, what about a name like Belly? They don't name people Belly anymore. Nope. So the mother was Bally Rudiger, father Daniel Rudiger, so he was a junior, and here's the crazy shit. This he was third of fourteen kids.
1: Let's fucking stop right there.
0: Third of fourteen <laughs> kids, bro. They were <laughs> Catholics how many moms that's it dude One how mom. many moms belly <laughs> oh, dude, damn. belly belly straight up well she was living up to her name belly she bellied 14 kids
1: oh did she get named afterwards like oh my God. she's like i'll tell you why they call me belly
0: actually rudy uh later on in his uh in his life he would talk about how his parents promised to never argue in front of them that they would argue in the room but i think i think his parents were just they're like oh we were up there arguing which is why you heard all that pumping and a moaning it was a big, it was a big argument. My wife and I call it uh, a burpee contest because we're both fitness people. So we tell our kids that we go up and do burpee contests.
1: Yeah. Wow. So like, you know, that's how like shit skips a generation. Yeah. So there was some good loving going on. And they stayed together. They were always smiling. But then their kid went off and made his wife do burpees. like,
0: come on, <laughs> bitch, let's go. <laughs> right. So early on in his life, Daniel Gene Rudiger, otherwise known as Rudy, he was given the name Rudy off of his last name, but he was third of 14 kids, and you can imagine why, man. All the arguments running upstairs, got to argue real quick, and then the make-up sex immediately afterward. Them Catholics were getting it in! From the time when he was a a young kid, he was always labeled as a dreamer, right? Throughout school, just daydreaming. Uh, One of his dreams was to play football for the University of Notre Dame, the Fighting Fucking Irish Rudy, throughout uh, his youth, played football. He played football at Joliet High School, where uh, he attributes a lot of his his growth and development to his mentors. But that's where he met his first mentor, Gordy Gillespie, the football coach of uh, Joliet High School in Illinois. Keeping it rolling here, another mentor of Rudy's was Newt Rockney, the the legendary coach of Notre Dame. That big go 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 speech. He re- he oh, okay. he memorized the speech, and he would. Uh, recite it verbatim to one of his best friends, Pete. So that was his childhood, man. I guess the fathers at some of the Catholic churches he attended would give him shit about his daydreaming. They would tell him that you know, dreamers aren't doers and it's not important what goes on in your brain. What's important is what goes on on the paper or the result. I think what Rudy really got out of it was the message of, yeah, I'm a dreamer, but they're also saying I need to do it. So it's planting those seeds of, hey, I need to do something about this.
1: What makes me think is like, I heard that like, they didn't even recognize that he was, um, like developmentally like a slow learner is what they call it now. Like, just, just the fact that he had, uh, dyslexia, like, they might not have even knew that. So, yeah, so that's like, a good call all out, he yeah. has is his dreams. And like, uh, I feel, I, you know, I, I don't know. That means we're slow learners as a whole then. It's like, we just, we didn't even know that, but now we know that there's, you know, disabilities or learning, learning disabilities. You might want to label somebody a dreamer because we don't even know what the fuck that really is. That really is just, just somebody who has a process down of, you know, making imagination into life. They say the crisper your dream is, the the better you're going to get it, you know. And if you dream big, then you have you have to dream, you have to like shoot for a star to land on the moon. I think that's what it's like. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have to dream hella big just to get your result. That fool had to dream hella big just mm-hmm. to get his 27 seconds like shit. As much as I admire Rudy and what he stands for, I really was exposed to the movie and realized that, oh my goodness, that this was a real person. I'm just like, fucking about damn time somebody did that shit, like, there you go, Rudy. You guys, what's your guys' excuse? I feel like this is what we need to fix the world.
0: So moving on, Rudy finishes high school, finishes his senior year playing football for Gordy Gillespie, one of his mentors over at Juliet High School. And he's a little bit lost after there because I think all the pounding and everything grinding him into the ground of, hey, you're not smart enough I even to I think he the anyway. pounding
1: upstairs from his parents' room. Sorry.
0: <laughs> all the pounding all the pounding from them making his freaking 11 extra brothers and sisters. That's
1: why he's only five, six, five, seven, dude. Breakfast was probably like only half a portion, bro. Like.
0: Well, you got to think he was probably moved off of the breast milk pretty quick. I'm sure can't he didn't can't be have breastfeeding
1: him. when you're pounding.
0: You can't be, dude. It's not awkward. a good- Awkward. It's a little bit Awkward. So he kind of gave in to all the negative talk. Right after high school, Rudy serves in the Navy as a yeoman. He does that for two years, then comes back a little bit lost, you know? So he goes and hits up his old friend Pete. Pete's working at the factory. And they both, you know, work together. So he's now two years removed from high school. He's got his job. And Pete was also another one of his biggest cheerleaders, man. One of the people that whenever other people said he couldn't do it, Pete would say that Rudy can do it. And Pete was the one who who said, you know, dreams are what make life tolerable. But something happens that creates a breakthrough and it was a first tragedy in, in Rudy's life. His best friend Pete dies in a factory accident. So that's where the breakthrough happened. Rudy cuts all ties, quits his factory job, picks up and moves to South Bend.
1: It does show that you have to make a sacrifice and that even though you feel like you have a good job or you know, you need a job, there's, they always talk about this opportunity cost. So, so like if you're working this job, you're missing out on another opportunity. You're spending time at this work, and what is it really costing you? It's costing you this dream that fades every single day. You know what I'm saying? you want to give your time and your sweat and your blood and your tears and your energy and effort into this company, or do you want to do it into your dream? You know? He said, fuck that. I'm going all the way in over here.
0: Let's keep it moving. So he ends up in South Bend, Indiana, and obviously he doesn't have the grades on his transcripts to get into Notre Dame because you got to be a fucking 4.0 student. Unless you're a baller on the football field, then they'll try to find some way to get your ass into that school. Chat me up, man. What do you think about that? You think just because if you're just because you're a great athlete, you think you belong in a school that normally requires amazing uh, grades to get in? What do you think about that?
1: You know, I I uh, I heard about all these athletes getting breaks, and I was like, you know, give them a break, dude. Just give them a break. And I never experienced it until I took one class. It was a, a drug class, and like. We had practices in, in, in the morning, like uh, we would lift at 4 in the morning and then we would pad up and be on the practice probably first snap by like 5.15 after our stretches. Uh, essentially, I'd have to still take a shower and get to class by 7, I think it was 7.10. And in that class was my drug class. So I'd be eating maybe a muffin or a banana and, from the snack table on the way out, took the little shuttle to class, fucking fell asleep in the class. Like somebody would have to bump me sometimes because I would snore but the teacher just fucking loved it. I got an A in the class. Maybe it was cuz it was a drug class and I know my drugs a little bit, but I think that if the teacher hated the football team, that outcome would have been different.
0: Big sweaty football players. Get out of here, you jocks. Yeah. Yeah, she
1: was she was cool with it, man. I, I mean, I definitely love the class and learned something in the class, but you guys want to use the athletes like they're professionals. So why don't Yeah, they bring you in a
0: lot of the income them? to the school. They have a yeah. large financial contribution as far as revenue re- revenue generation. Like sports athletics is a big revenue generator.
1: You know, they're they're also doing extra work that equals a full time job plus a full time job. The simple act of passing an athlete or ensuring that they're going to finish and get a degree, I think that needs to be a priority.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Let's keep it rolling. So Rudy didn't have the grades. He was in, enrolled in the. Junior College out there Holy Cross it's actually pretty famous junior colleges where a lot of uh, Notre Dame transfers attend also You know uh, athletes student athletes and student transfers that don't initially have the grades But they have the dream to attend Notre Dame. I mean, it's a prestigious school So even if you're just going there to be it's a student prestigious. Yeah, how's that for prestigious? It's <laughs> Notre Dame man. It's the Golden Domers. It's South Bend It's touchdown Jesus a desirable school a lot of people go to holy cross to build up the grades so that way they can attend notre dame and that's where rudy started but that's where that's where we got to talk about the plan right so you have your dream his dream started as a kid to play football at notre dame so now he's starting to put himself in a position to make this thing a reality his his best friend passes away and something wakens up inside of him and says fuck i gotta put myself in a position to at least give myself a shot makes the decision to move And now what happens is the plan takes place. And whenever you have a dream, you need the plan when you decide to pursue that dream. So you have to put together a plan. The plan starts with attending Holy Cross Junior College, so that way the next step is him becoming a student, or Rudy becoming a student of uh, Notre Dame. So it's real simple, right? You attend Holy Cross, you become a student. You have to be a student before you play at Notre Dame, so that's the first task. Become a student of Notre Dame. And that's where he meets Father John Cavanaugh. And John Cavanaugh makes him a promise that he'll never forget. John Cavanaugh, the, the father there, he was a... I forget which instructor, which class he taught. So John Cavanaugh addresses the class, first day of Holy Cross. Says, gentlemen, you have to have straight A's to attend Notre Dame. To even be considered to attend Notre Dame. If you come to my class every day, you're gonna get an A. So that's two things. That's telling them to just show up every day and I'll I'll make sure you get an A. And I want everybody to hear that. Put yourself in a position. So just go. Just go and you will be in a better position to reach your dream.
1: I think that it comes down to the internal battle that you have because you just can't be scared. But it's so easy to say you can't be scared. Everything I'm going to say is almost cliche, right? But it's you can't be scared. And I found that what did me best is I I, was, uh, um, I would approach my fear head on. Like I would say, what am I most afraid of? And then I would just go do it right away. You, first of all, you got to know what to do. You got to ask questions. But if you can't even talk to somebody, how are you going to ask questions? So you got to literally be ready to just face your fear, find out what it takes first. Sometimes people are just afraid to ask.
0: The questions are what helps you put the plan together, right? Because Rudy went to South Bend put himself in a position to become a student but he had to ask the question well what do I have to do to be a student of Notre Dame the question was answered at Holy Cross right well you have to get straight A's at this junior college before you can become a student of Notre Dame so the plan is straight A's at Holy Cross student Notre Dame the next step in the process is walk on tryouts make a practice squad and then hopefully eventually get some playing time I guess it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch for the for the normal athlete, gifted athlete. But here's the problem. I guess it's the little big problem. Rudy's five foot six. As Rudy's going through the matriculation of the plan, which is become a student of Notre Dame. Yes, he, he has an application process. Yes, ma- matric
1: what? What ma- the fuck is that word?
0: Matriculation. That's the matriculation, right? Grammar school, prep school, college oh, prep. Shit. A, that's your that's called that's called matriculation got a freaking of
1: term for everything dude oh uh, yeah why don't you give somebody a rudy degree
0: <laughs> so throughout his matriculation there's the there's the application process right you got to apply to to notre dame and he keeps getting rejected so rudy's on his fourth so it took him four tries to get accepted to notre dame so fuck three times a charm right when you're chasing down a dream you can't See, there's that thing, three times a charm, right? Well, I'm going to give it three good college tries, and I'm going to fucking call it good after that, right? When we Uh limit ourselves to a number of attempts, we're basically already admitting defeat if we don't succeed.
1: Notre Dame, dude, just playing hard to get.
0: Yeah, Notre Dame was waving that ass in his face like, you're not going to get this. You will never get this. (laughs) And He's like, Come for-
1: on, baby, you got good gold. I like the I like your logos. I like your colors. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> Notre Dame, dude. definitely. Fourth time's me. a
1: charm. Butter took her out to eat. So what's up, girl? Hey, I I heard that. That's right. Like I uh, like I heard that on average, like girls need to spend four hours with their guy before they want to do the next step. Like you know what I'm saying? Like four so fourth time, bro. Like, you
0: know? Mm, there's something to, to that. The person the person that came up with the three times the charm thing was a fucking worm then, dude. He was like, "Yeah, hey, these guys are going to give up after three times and I'm going to roll in."
1: <laughs> oh god.
0: Just creeper like. So I was you guys
1: at Notre Dame magazines and shit.
0: You guys heard it. We're also giving relationship and dating advice. How to chase down your dream girl on this show as well. You got a dream girl out there. I, Try to I, get it. I don't
1: condone that advice that I even said about 4 <laughs> hours like 30 don't think about that but I'm just saying trying to tie it into Rudy it's like he had to do all the necessary precautions man you can't just skip to you know what I'm saying
0: let's keep it rolling here so the fourth try Rudy gets in so then there's the next step of the process the walk on you gotta walk on and try out so he walks on tries out to uh, for Notre Dame and he ends up fucking making the practice squad but it wasn't that easy right you got his ass beat day in day out so we're talking about college size offensive lineman in the 70s Average offensive lineman was about 255, 260, 235. So these are these are big dudes. At least a hundred pounds more. A whole a whole person bigger than Rudy. Remember this guy's five yeah. six, 165, and he's playing a position. He's actually trying to play the position that you played. Say so say defensive end, which an average defensive that. end, defensive ends in the NFL or college in general are like six five, six four. 6'2". You were considered a small defensive end, and you're six foot.
1: Yeah, dude. So it's, I sure was, Charlie.
0: It's crazy to think that this guy played a position where the average size is like 6'3", 250, 240, 260, 275. It's just, it blows my mind that he tried out for that position. He was banging heads with these guys. One of his quotes in real life was, Yeah, uh I got hit so hard one day that I thought I died. Yeah. You imagine laying on the funny. ground after getting hit, you're like you get hit so hard, you think you're dead. Oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm and dead. not the Yeah. Not the it was I'm like
1: a tackle bag with legs, dude. Or more like a tackle bag with emotions, like I remember somebody trying to tackle the tackle bag and it tackled them, bro. <laughs> like you backwards. know <laughs> Might want to make sure you pass your degree if you're doing that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that guy's probably making like six figures, who knows? I did everything I could not to laugh because that, that's not what I was like, you know, but people were like, oh, you fucking bounced off the tackle bag and we got flat back. Like, you got, how do you get depleted by a tackle bag? That's to this day, it would be in my mind. But like, i seen it and I just <clears throat> had a chuckle and I was just like, I had to give it a look like, bro, like, that's not going to cut it when we're in the trenches.
0: So three years of eligibility, Rudy's <laughs> getting his ass kick dude on the practice squad so the practice squad say so you played in college practice squad is also nicknamed the uh tackling dummy squad or or the scout team and what the scout team does is they present themselves as a kind of a look but an easy look for the offense to kind of get their shit in kind of like go out and beat the shit out of somebody week in week out day in day out so that way they can prepare for the next team they don't even dress out so they're not running onto the field. You know, he makes a scout team that doesn't even put on a Notre Dame uniform. And he's, he's telling everybody at home, you know, I made the team, I made the team. And his dad even says, uh, you didn't. in my eyes, you don't make the team until you get on the field. So even then, even after making the practice squad at Notre Dame, even after becoming a student where you have to get straight A's, straight A's, even after that, his dad is still saying, "Ah, oh, fucking bullshit! You're not a Notre Dame football player. You don't get on the field. You know, you may be a student there, but you know, Lottie freaking Daw, there's what five thousand, six thousand, or whatever, ten thousand students there. What is their student body size anyway? About ten thousand?
1: It's probably fucking half of what San Jose State
0: is. <laughs> San Jose State has fifty thousand students. So Notre Dame official enrollment is about eighty five hundred students. So it's a big student body. That's small,
1: dude. You fucking <laughs> kidding me? 8, or eighty-five no?
0: hundred? foul Wow. You want eighty-five, eighty-five hundred? Anyhow, so his dad's like bullshit. A lot of people want to see him on the field. Now he starts thinking, I need to make this dream of me getting playing time and getting on the field and just dressing out a reality. He starts checking the roster every week and he's asking the coaches, "Hey, do you think I could dress out? You know, it'd be really special for my family if they can." see me on tv and just basically comes up with every reason for the coaches for him to dress out and that the then coach Ara a they give him the the rundown they're like hey you know what some of our positions only have one backup and i don't think we can afford dressing another defensive end because ncaa has rules you know i think it's a 56 man squad you can only field 56 is that what it is something yeah, they like got
1: that. limits but it's uh, in the, yeah yeah 60 i think was like what he said
0: yeah, it's 60, it's it's around, I think NFL is like 56 or some shit like that, I don't know. Um, I think you're right, it is 60. So he's telling him, you know, out of out of what we have, we can't really dress you, maybe next year. This is Ara Parsegian, and I think this is in his uh, second year of eligibility. So Rudy goes, okay, cool, you know, we'll we'll check on it next year. Problem with that is Ara Parsegian gets replaced by Green Bay Packers old coach Dan Devine, who doesn't really know the promise that was made between... Rudy and Dan Parsigian, so Rudy's kind of left out in this. Like, oh shit, I was promised that I would get playing time, and I don't know how to bring this up to Dan Devine, who is a fucking NFL coach. Now you're going to a former NFL head coach and saying, hey, you know, I'm five foot six, but uh, I know I'm on the practice squad. But uh, the coach that just left told me that I could dress out this year. So you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you know what I'm saying?
1: Bro, Hector, Hector, Hector. Hector. <laughs> This shit, no no wonder people had called me Rudy, bro, just like like lightweight <laughs> off the record, man. Like, that's exactly what happened to me, bro. Like, I was on the practice squad. You know, I didn't get to see one game. I didn't dress up for one. I saw games in the stands, bro. Like, and then and then like the 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 head coach was Fitz Hill, and he was saying, Good job, man, you're doing great. He's like, man, you keep working out like this, man, you're good, man. You're getting this golden ticket, man, I promise. And then he got replaced. He got replaced by NFL, ex NFL coach Dick Tomey. I think I think Dick Tomey did it in the NFL. And and then, like, he interviewed everybody again. He said, you're all on the bubble. I don't give a shit with nobody's promise. All that work is for nothing, like, you know, in, in a sense, because a coach has to come in and say, you need to prove yourself to me at my standard and my way of thinking, and this is how we're going to win games. I need to see it all again. Man, he had to overcome such a hardship right there. That, that's a tough one, man. Yeah, I mean, man, he if was undeterred.
0: If you went through it, then, then you know exactly the feeling. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's, it's got to be – hell yeah it's got to be one of those situations where you're like fuck man this is an NFL coach he's not trying to listen to me I'm some kid that's playing on the practice squad and I'm coming in here think of the the balls the size of balls you got to have to walk up to an NFL coach and Rudy ends up doing it he actually goes into Dan Devine's office a practice squad player and he says hey you know what I was promised playing time last year by Parcesian you know is it is it something we can do so there are some discrepancies between the movie and real life even though Parcegian and both Dan Devine they were both big cheerleaders of Rudy I know in the movie Dan Devine was kind of made up as kind of like a, a antagonist like our season's too important we need to make a bowl game this year which when it happened the situation was definitely um, Notre Dame needing to win a game to get into a bowl and when it comes down to it it brings me to my next discussion point of when you put yourself in a position to live out your dreams it does you no good to stay quiet. A closed mouth does not get fit. So you have to, you have to ask.
1: I think that when we talk about asking for it, that's my first thing when he first started this, when he first started this podcast, I said, you know, Rudy, what he did, the number one thing was just ask. He asked for his dream. And you know, you can ask verbally and that's that's very important to do that, but he asked by everything that he did. He asked for his dream by leaving his job. He asked for his dream. By getting into the school, he asked for his dream by applying four times. He kept asking every push up, every set, every rep in the weight room is an ask. You know, you just got to realize if you're really asking verbally, it's just the start. And then by talking to another person and you, uh, and they understand where you're coming from, you know, you, you, you can have that agreement easier if you start to ask. Like I, I went in there to coach Tommy when he cut every, he said, everybody's on the bubble. He said, we will make cuts. All you people, I don't care who you are. You're on the bubble. We interviewed all the seniors. And I was a senior or junior going to senior. And he was like, uh, so tell me, where, how'd you get here? Why do you want to play? Why should I be there? I was like, I just told him, you know, I want to be a leader. I know I can I just showed through my work ethic. I asked so many questions. They call me preguntas. I just feel it's so important to ask. And uh, th- that's the main thing. How you're asking it matters.
0: Sorry, I'm just looking up. Was a that your bit.
1: question? I have to yeah. ask.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's keep it rolling here. So it's the last game of the 1975 season. Rudy's last opportunity to take the field, dress out as a Notre Dame fighting Irish. And he gives it one last effort, walks into Dan Devine's office and asks. All Dan Devine can do is offer him an apology. Just say, hey, you know what? We can't dress you. But a couple things happened in real life that were different from the movie. In the movie, the players all laid down their jerseys and said, hey, Rudy should dress for me. Well yeah. that was an amazing Hollywood scene and it was it was awesome to see the players say hey you know what if if Rudy doesn't play I'm not going to dress out or have him take my jersey and it just gave the coach the idea yeah. that you know Rudy's an important part of the team in real life, it was actually a couple of the captains that got together and approached Dan Devine and said, I think Rudy should play because it's he put the work in and we respect him and I think it would just be a great thing for us to do. And it was an important game. They needed to win this game. It was against Georgia Tech. They needed to win the game to make it to a bowl game and bowl games are important in college football. Your your team makes money. Your school makes money on bowl games and they needed to win. So Dan Devine talks to the other coaches and the other coaches say, all right, let's give Rudy the go. We're going to dress him out. So he throws on... Game day, throws on the number 45 jersey. It's at home. It's in South Bend. The date is November 8th, 1975. Rudy finally gets a chance to to take the field. Rudy still, when he talks about it to this day, go ahead and YouTube. Man, if you're ever feeling down, if you're feeling negative about yourself, YouTube Rudy and just listen to the guy talk for a little bit. Just listen to him and see what he has to say. Because to this day, he still gets teary-eyed and still gets emotional about standing in the tunnel at Notre Dame because that was his dream, and he did it. And he says, then the game starts. And it's like that for everybody who plays football. You know, you're, you're pumped up, you're excited, but then the game starts, and then it just starts, the game just starts moving, and things happen, and there are events, small little flashes of emotion. And, and like I said, it's something you can't really put to words. You just have to experience it. So late in the game, Notre Dame has a lead. There's about a uh, a minute and a half or 2 minutes left. Notre Dame needs to secure the win and they end up scoring a touchdown with roughly 27 seconds left. And here's where it gets interesting, man. This is where the opportunity strikes and what happens in that last minute or so, the student body starts chanting his name. The the players, the captains are now saying going to the coaches and saying put Rudy in, put Rudy in, man. The, the reason the student body knew about Rudy is because there was a newsletter or there was a story that was written about Rudy in their school newspaper. And the student body got a hold of it that it was Rudy's uh, lifetime dream to play football at Notre Dame. Even the student body knows that dressing out isn't playing football. Playing football is getting on the field and playing football. They're like, dude, we want to see Rudy now. We want to see this because this is what dreams are about. This is what hope is about. This is what life is about. And with 27 seconds left, the coach is Tap Rudy on the shoulder and say, Rudiger, get in. What well, was the extra point? Rudy said, I'm not gonna get in, I'm defense. So man, I don't know about you, but if if it's college football and if it's an extra point and the coaches are saying, Get in, I'm gonna fucking get in. <laughs> he had the audacity to tell coaches, yeah. No, I'm defense, I'm not getting in. Would you have
1: well, I don't know if I could, man, because I'm just trained to, like, do, like, kind of, like, be ready. Dude. If you told me to go in, I'm going to go in, sure.
0: Right? I'm fucking going in. Where do you want? You want me to kick the field goal? I'll fucking miss the shit out of that field goal, but I'm wearing the Notre Dame uniform, and on the yeah. field. I'm going to—what if they did that, dude? <laughs> what if they ran Rudy out there to kick the field goal, and he fucking missed the field goal? Uh, that'd
1: be an doing. idiot, dude. It's not that—this would be a stupid coaching decision.
0: I think—you know what? That's probably why I'm not a coach, because I probably would have ran him out there to kick the field goal. I would have been like, Rudy! <laughs> Get out there and kick me an extra point, son.
1: You sound drunk at that point. Like, what the fuck?
0: I probably wouldn't have been drunk, dude. If I'm, if I'm the head coach at Notre Dame, I'm getting hammered for every game because we all know how fun college football games are. I'm going to be on the sideline. Let's get Rudy out there to kick the field goal. Get over here, son. (laughs) I want you to go out there and line up an extra point and kick it true. Oh, gosh. I guess, I guess that's why I'm not a head coach of a major football program. (laughs) Maybe. But let's not talk about extra points because that is a sore subject for us RHSers right now. If you guys don't know the story, let's keep it rolling. We'll save save that for the next episode. All right, so let's keep it rolling, Anthony Silva. Let's keep it rolling. So Rudy Rudy declines the uh, the coaches to get in for the extra point, but he does get in on kickoff. I think that's got to be one of the most scariest. Positions on in college football is the kickoff because you're going full speed and you're fucking flying down there So that's a lot of balls right there just to get in on kickoff man You could easily just get clocked people are coming from all angles So yeah Rudy gets in there on kickoff and he plays so he plays three plays in 27 seconds The first play is a kickoff the crowds going crazy for him the Rudy chants are still going Everybody knows what's going on and it's just amazing that so much history and so much, so much story and good feelings can come out of something like 27 seconds, but it's really not 27 seconds. What it is in actuality is his, his lifetime dream, his lifelong pursuit of that dream culminated in 27 seconds. Three plays, a kickoff, a defensive snap where Georgia Tech throws an incomplete pass. Georgia Tech lines up for their last play of the game. There's two seconds, either five or two seconds left. And Rudy does the unthinkable. He sacks the quarterback with the last play of the game. If you don't know what a quarterback sack is, it's basically the defense equivalent of, I would call it like a big play, like if you throw a 50-yard bomb, or maybe even, I wouldn't call it a touchdown, I think, because defense... what
1: I would call it doing your damn job. If I was a <laughs> defensive fucking line coach, I would say fucking uh, uh, sack shit happen on every play. Don't you think you can beat your opponent every play? And Then why the fuck are you not playing? So... <laughs> You're damn right. If you don't get a sack on every play, I'm going to be pissed. So you're going to be – I'm going to be a pissed-ass coach. But once you get a sack, I'm like, finally, somebody fucking doing their jobs. Shit.
0: Dude, imagine if we were both head coaches, the, the dichotomy. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> I would be putting people in. I would be like, hey, Bartholomew, get over here and play some quarterback. Uh, but, coach – it better t- be a touchdown, damn it. <laughs> I'm the tell boy, coach. I know, but have you seen that movie Waterboy? I'm thinking, what if we use our towel boy play some quarterback? <laughs> and don't and mess up. And then you'd be yelling at the, the towel boy for not scoring a touchdown.
1: I told you if, if I screen. only wanted a first down, I would have called first down.
0: <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. So yeah, so, yeah, man, Rudy records a sack. The quarterback drops back for a pass, and you kill the play. Single-handedly kill the entire play. They lose yards. You get to get up and do a sack dance. I like to do the helicopter sack dance. I would sack the quarterback, and I would stand up, and I would wag my hips side to side like I was naked out of the shower doing the helicopter. That would be my sack dance. What about you, say
1: Fuck, dude. I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I had one. I just was doing some push-ups one time.
0: So, yeah, man. Rudy scores himself a sack. Everybody's going crazy. All feel good stuff.
1: Rudy scored a sack, dude? Out there in South Bend, Like, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For all of our chroniclers out there. Scored himself a sack out in South Bend. So, yeah. I'm going to play a video because I want everybody to hear it from the voice of the man himself, Rudy. So, here we go. This is from his speech at uh, to UVU students. And he, he plays a video here. I think it's a, a couple minutes long, but go ahead and listen in. Let me share my screen with you so that way you can see it. You see it?
1: Damn, he fucking... Yeah, he definitely looks unfuck withable.
0: Yeah, you don't fuck with that guy. Look at his face, dude. Yeah, you sneak on yeah, the street, that's, Ru- that's Rudy fucking Rudiger, whether he's well, five like he foot went six- to,
1: He went back to the plant after he started playing football like shit.
0: I say we have a list of people that are unfuckwithable. Carrie Strug, unfuckwithable. Rick Rude, Ravishing Rick Rude, unfuckwithable. Rudy yeah. Rudiger, unfuckwithable. Yeah. All right, here we go.
2: That. That's what it's about. Fight. You're not a bad person if you make a mistake just don't do it again you learn from it you don't live in the past you know there's so many wonderful moments and like i want to bring to you imagination moment if you don't mind playing the second video uh of this great little journey i want to if we could do that be great it's called your imagination moment this is the magic right here when you're born You're given the imagination. It's a gift. You're limitless in your thoughts. You're limitless where you can go, and your family members and your closest siblings will encourage you to be great. The courage that they have and the courage that you are now developing is because of the thoughts that are given to you. You feel it. It becomes a belief level. You start dreaming about becoming the person you want to be, of where you want to go, of what you can be. See, it's all a belief level of your dream, of how your dream is given to you, how you encompass those thoughts and embrace those thoughts. The impossible are possible when you have good thoughts. The impossible dream is nothing but passion. When you have passion you have a great attitude and great thoughts and you see life differently and you see people differently and you look at opportunity differently you look at obstacles as opportunity and you have determination that comes automatically when you have a dream and passion that comes to you because you will manifest that desire to stretch to your dreams and goals And when you do that you being the person you want to be because you start visualizing that moment you start visualizing where you want to be who you want to be around you don't need much to do that so don't let people tell you you need a lot to be someone you need a dream in your imagination you need goals you got to persevere through all those goofy thoughts that people laid on you and that people keep trying to put on you through media through newspapers to all these different ways of media attention climb that mountain with good thoughts climb that mountain with character and courage to inspire the people the young people to inspire the old to inspire the people who have dreams reach reach for your dream be the example when you reach for your dreams yeah
1: what he says
0: (laughs) I guess to, to put a bow on this episode, I want to leave everybody with a direct quote from this very same speech. Rudy Rudiger says, people don't care about how much you know, they care about how much you care. Anything anything else you want to add to the Rudy episode before we uh, before we introduce our next show, which I'm equally excited about? This is actually my, the next episode is going to be my jam, but anything else you want to add to it?
1: No, go ahead. Introduce the next
0: You know, say, say, when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta take a stand. It don't hurt to hide. If your friends hurt my friends, then you hurt my pride. I gotta be a man. I can't let it slide. I am a real American. That's right. Join us next week. (laughs) Well, we're going to be telling you something, brother, about the man that made a brand... So recognizable that it changed an industry, dude. And how it was produced, (laughs) sold, and consumed forever, brother. But that's right. We plan on covering Hulkamania. And we're going to go ahead and show you how the proper branding of your product, the proper sales of your product or selling of your product, and the proper message of your product is going to help you not only grow your fitness business, but also build an energy so strong that is gonna run wild over the competition, brother, and we're gonna do that all by talking some Hulkamania. So yeah, I'm thinking it's about that time. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking you need to say your prayers, you need to take your vitamins, you need to train, and remember, if you don't got it, don't show it. So, <laughs> what you gonna do when Big Body Say and Hector Olivera talk some Hulkamania on you? on you? See you next week on Talking Some Muscle. <laughs>
2: Let me tell you what Melbourne Toast is packing right here. I've got 411 posi track out back, 750 double pumper, Edelbrock intakes, scored over 30, 11 to 1 pop-up pistons, turbojet, 390 horsepower. We're talking some fucking
1: muscle.